hope that you had a great Good Friday as we had here. I hope that you uh, were at liberty to celebrate what Jesus Christ has done for us. And uh, sometimes in life, beloved, you just need to receive the gift. Receive the free gift. Receive the blessing. I know we don't understand it. I know we don't deserve it. But see, that is a part that's coming from our pride. We, we, God made us. He created us from nothing. We foolishly did wrong against him. And in his amazing grace, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, to die on the cross for our sins. He was buried and rose on the third day. You cannot save yourself. There's nothing you can do to save yourself but believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants you to do that. He wants you to, to receive this free gift. And he wants you to rejoice in him. And he wants you to celebrate with him and in him. So sometimes in life you just have to receive. You have to humble yourself down and accept the gift. You can go to the corner to cry. Uh, you can feel very emotional about it. Uh, you can say a million times, I don't deserve it. But at some point, uh, you need to just humble yourself and receive it. And enjoy it. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the bodies should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day. It's one, it's one thing to be humiliated before the world and you never did anything wrong to hurt anybody, especially your brethren according to the flesh. And it's one thing to die for as an innocent man and for the sins of the world and then they were not finished humiliating Jesus because another great humiliation is when people rush you off the stage for something else like you're nothing the Jews 
There they go again. Therefore, because it was the preparation that the bodies should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was in high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. They, of course, didn't understand that Jesus was going to walk again and live again. But, so he would need his legs. But one of these soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bare record, and his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith, and he knoweth that he saith true, that ye might believe that ye might believe. That's what this is all about. That you might believe. I, I, I have family members that I want them to hear this story and hear some of the historical uh, facts that go with uh, uh, the truth of the Bible outside of the Bible because I want them to believe. And there are certain things, for example, some of the things we dealt with yesterday when we traced down the, the, the date, the actual date that Jesus died, that added something to the message. Now, for people like me, uh, you know, I, I believe exactly what the Bible says, and I don't need any extra uh, uh, sources. I, I, I've, I've never had a problem since I have been saved believing the Bible. And, and once the person showed me from the Bible how to get saved, I, I said, okay, is that it? Well, let's do that. Because I was taught it was a whole lot more. That you might believe, that is the purpose of the Bible. That you believe in Jesus Christ. Because, buddy, if you don't do that, everything is lost for you. Everything. It's, 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 things are not going to go well for you if you reject Jesus Christ. Well, surely there's another way. No, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There's no other way. that you might believe. You might as well be seated because I'm already preaching because I'm getting ready to ask a question. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe that Jesus Christ suffered, bled, and died on the cross for your sins, was buried, and rose from the dead by the power of God.
Well, it happened. He did it for you. This world would be a mess without Jesus. Worse. Worse than what it is. If you can imagine that. Any bad stuff going on is because of our own sinful nature. Uh, through Jesus and the cross, uh, when I survey the wondrous cross, cross we also see uh, the results of the cross. How that Jesus Christ is held back a whole lot of evil. We begin to lose, however, when people who claim to be Christians betray him or bamboozle others to make them think that they are Christians. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again another scripture said, they shall look on him whom they pierced. All of this was predicted. There's a certain comfort that comes with that, that the scriptures had already pointed to this crucifixion. It's like that people did not know, especially the Jews. God wrote this story in advance. And it's all coming to fruition and coming to pass. And after, after this, Joseph of Arithmetheia being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of his brethren, the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came therefore and took the body of Jesus, and there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes about in a hundred pound weight. Now none of this was orchestrated between the disciples and the secret saints. This is all God. The ones who should have been the pallbearers for Jesus his disciples had all fled except for John. Mary couldn't do it. Mary couldn't, would not have been able to take it. The other Marys couldn't do it. They didn't have the strength. Where were the disciples? They had forsaken their master. All of those memories, all of those scenes 
all of those miracles that they saw. They were concerned about themselves like so many of us in the church today. Not concerned about the Lord and his work. This is reality, man. I know whereof I speak. They don't care about Jesus. They don't care about the ministry. They don't care about God's work. Today, people in the church care about themselves. What can God do for me, and what has he done for me lately? Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen cloths with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus, therefore because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. There lay they Jesus, therefore because of the Jews' preparation day, that is for the Passover, the people not realizing he is the Passover. He is the sacrificial Passover lamb of God who has taken away the sin of the whole world. That's why on Good Friday we celebrate. You can, someone said, do not try to funeralize Jesus on Good Friday, please. It's not a time to be boohooing and crying and everything. Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, and so he wants us to celebrate what he has done. He does not want you to forget about him. He does not want you to sin against him while you're celebrating. But, uh, and we're talking about celebrating like a Bible-believing Christians, not like the Catholics, by the way. For the sepulcher was not at hand. It's, it's, it's one thing to be humiliated before the world and to die uh, for the sins of the world and be the center of the party and, and you rushed off the stage for uh, some little lambs. And, and in our day, sad to say, some little rabbits and eggs which don't have anything to do with what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And yet, that's what people are spending their time doing right now. Messing with some eggs and uh, some eggs and some rabbits. Peter Cottontail, sad to say, it's a shame before God, and God help me to say this right. It, it breaks my heart. Uh, I remember now as a child, and I heard his name the other day. Peter Cottontail, whoever in the world he is, gets more uh, attention than Jesus Christ. The devil and human beings have been trying to push Jesus out of the picture for years. Even on the day he died, they, they oh, let's rush him off, okay, exit stays right. 
my, my, my. Yeah, you people getting ready to get me get upset up get me upset already. Let's pray. Holy Father God, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And Holy Father God, I praise you and I thank you for this magnificent week and the magnificent day you gave us on yesterday, Good Friday. We thank you, Lord, for allowing us to read this passage throughout this week. There's nothing better than this, no movie, no play. We can do the reading, the simple reading of your Holy Scriptures and how you work in our minds and imaginations like the simple reading of your Holy Word and the preaching of your Holy Word. And so, Holy Father God, even though we may feel weak and weary on this Saturday, I pray that you give us your energy and your strength and your might. Thank you for leading me to lead uh, my family and our staff here in prayer throughout this day. Uh, I feel those prayers that have gone up on a day like this. Uh, on a day that, Lord, many people didn't feel like praying and don't feel like praying and some would rather sleep. Holy Father God, thank you for hearing and answering, Lord, my prayers, for allowing us to be here right now. And Lord God in heaven, we individually confess our sins, our failures, and our faults unto you. Uh, for those of us who are truly saved, by faith and belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, our faith looks up to you. And thou Lamb of Calvary, for Jesus Christ's sake, please forgive us of our sins. Thank you for providing a, a way for us to have access to you to get forgiveness of our sins. We thank you not only for your uh, crucifixion on the cross, but we thank you, Lord, for your system of grace that you created for our good. Not to sin, God forbid, but if we sin, you're faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness through your precious blood that you shed on Calvary's tree. And so hopefully those of us who are saved, we come before your throne of grace, which is a part of your system of grace, and we individually confess our sins, our failures, and our faults. And from that, Lord, there's nothing between our soul and the Savior. Fellowship is restored. We have that magnificent, wonderful, clean feeling on the inside that everything is all right and everything is at peace. And we have peace from you. 
peace that pass of all understanding, joy unspeakable, not only cheer, but good cheer. And Holy Father God, help the weary ones who are with me here, uh, Lord, today, to hang in there for just a little while longer and uh, be alert and be sober-minded, vigilant and watchful. Uh, have mercy and grace upon each and every one who is willing to confess their sins and repent. At the same time, Lord, we still have religious people in the church who are not saved. I count my wife, Marika White, in that number, and I pray for her salvation so that she can uh, live this Christian life uh, much easier and uh, not have to try so hard and fail so hard. And I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, I know that my sweet uh, charismatic brethren, my sweet evangelical brethren, and my sweet Christian brethren, and I love them all, and sisters as well, uh, that, Lord, they don't like to hear this kind of praying, but it's a real deal. It's a real thing. I've been praying like this for 34 years. If I had not prayed like this, the gospel would not have flowed out of here as it has, as you well know. And so, Lord, I do pray tonight that you'd cast out the devil and the demons of hell and the satanic, demonic spirit of Judas, Jezebel, Sanballat, and Tobias out of her life and out of the lives of others who have been cursed with these spirits. And not only, Lord, cast out these demonic spirits, but the sins that they produce, pride, Pharaoh's pride, stubbornness, rebelliousness, witchcraft, bad attitude, just cannot be quiet, uh, cannot uh, even, even, even think about a suffering wrong without having to say something. Uh, and this is not like you. And uh, always, always have to run off at the mouth. Uh, it's a demon spirit uh, that drives people who cannot be quiet. And I pray that you'll drive that out of her life and out of the lives of uh, all of the people here who have that problem and all of the people uh, out there who have that problem. Uh, the truth of the matter is there are thousands and millions of people in families, situated in families and in churches who have these problems, but nobody said anything about it because they've been playing the game for the past 50 to 60 years of hide-and-go-seek, uh, hiding things, acting like the Adams family at home and being the Brady Bunch at church, uh, liars, hypocrites, fakers, and phonies. Lord in the church, nobody tells the truth. Everybody tells lies about how wonderful their spouse is. And that is, we all know, is not the case. Because we're hearing about them in the funny papers. Uh, just the other day, a prominent pastor, he was so in love with his wife, and his wife was so wonderful. But uh, he was caught under the covers by his wife, not at their house, but at somebody else's house that they were, I hope, were trying to lead to the Lord, and I hope was at least trying to make them a better disciple, uh, and a famous man at that. Uh, 
uh, caught under the covers with the babysitter. And uh, the wife caught him, and the wife had to go into action and beat the snot out of the woman. Uh, and, and this kind of thing, and this is just coming out after over almost two years of the initial uh, situation. And this kind of foolishness has been pushed under the rug. Now we're finding out some of the most upright-looking Christian preacher men in the nation. Button-down, Brooks Brothers suit, and everything else have been child molesters. And, and, and in the most prominent denomination in America, in American history with great clout, or they used to have it, hundreds, thousands of pastors uh, caught up in child molestation. One pastor right now is pastoring a, a prominent church, uh, uh, after molesting two girls and spending three years in jail and is a registered child molester. Now, Lord, I don't think you would allow any of your disciples to remain uh, on your team if they were a registered child molester. I, I, don't think, I don't think you would have done that. And we shouldn't do it here where we have to be concerned about our children at church, not from other child molesters who are visiting the church, but from the pastor himself. Now, Lord, these things and the words of Brother James ought not so to be. But we have it going on today because nobody says anything. Everybody plays the game of being the Adams family at the house and the Brady Bunch at the church. And the people who can play the game the best are the pastors and the pastor's wives. And so I thank you, Lord, for the liberty and the freedom. And Lord, you know I never wanted to say anything negative about my wife publicly. I don't think any man wants to do that. And, uh, and I didn't do that for many years. Uh, but you, she opened up the door. Uh, better, you open up the door and you have given me liberty to do so. Uh, and she's right here. And we're still together and neither one of us are thinking about divorce. And however, she's free to go anytime she wants to go. Uh, but I pray that she would get saved and do this thing right, unlike uh, most of her family. Uh, she's already been married more years than her family members without a divorce, which is a miracle. And uh, for all of them have been divorced and separated and remarried and all kinds of foolishness and sin that causes great problems. And, uh, and as far as I know, none of them are saved. Uh, but I pray that she'll be the first one in hopes that she can deliver her family from hell, because this is what this is all about. You're dying on the cross. You're suffering, you're bleeding, you're dying. 
your being buried and rising again on the third day is about saving us from the hell we deserve. And this is a very serious matter to you. Help us to take it seriously. And Lord, as you know, I love all souls and I love my wife and I love her soul as well. And I pray for her salvation, that she will lay aside her pride and truly believe in Christ and become a disciple uh, of Christ in a very real sense. And Holy Father God, I pray that this happens in families across this country and around the globe. And uh, Lord, it's not time to be concerned about who's getting embarrassed and who's not. Uh, we are way past that now as we are in the plague going into the third year of a plague of long continuance. And even Dr. Fauci has stated it is not going away. And as I've stated uh, many times, it's not going away until you say so. And then we have a, we're, and we're getting dangerously close to a nuclear warfare and nuclear destruction because of our own sins and our own foolishness in the church. And we are the blame. And uh, we have failed you. We have failed uh, families. We have failed this country. And we have failed the world. Uh, yet you still love us. And uh, you're still working on us. Rebuking us and chastising us in hopes that we would repent. And humble ourselves and pray and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways. And so Lord I pray that you would crucify our flesh and the old man within us all. Fill us all afresh and anew with the fullness and the power, the unction, and the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Save those who are lost. Revive those who are saved. Glorify, Lord, your holy name. In Jesus Christ's name we pray and for his sake. Amen. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. My richest gain I count but loss, and poor contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast. The word pride and boast, they're dealing with the pride that is in all of us. I believe God hates pride as the number one sin because it was the sin of the devil and it is the sin that will keep you out of heaven and cast you into hell. Save in the death of Christ my God all of the vain things that charm me most I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did ever such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? 
were the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Warren Worsby, the great Bible teacher, now in heaven with the Lord, having served his generation, said today we think of the cross as a symbol of glory and victory. Isn't that interesting? But in Pilate's time, in Pilate's day, the cross stood for the basest kind of rejection, shame, and suffering. It was Jesus who made the difference. And now millions of people, even lost people who, who, who don't even know what the cross is about, they wear the cross. Jesus made the difference. Go ahead, Brother Warren Worsby. Today, beloved, we are going to look at whether or not Jesus Christ uh, descended into hell after his crucifixion. And we're going to look at some other things as well. As confessed in the Apostles' Creed, we are using as our source did Jesus actually descend into hell when he died by Dr. Blair Park from Crosswalk? Did Jesus go to hell between his death on what we call Good Friday and his resurrection? We may not get to everything tonight, but uh, this is important. And uh, the second part is from Got Questions Ministries. And did Jesus actually descend into hell by Ashley Hooker from Bible Study? tools. Holy Saturday is the name given to the day between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. You probably never heard much about Holy Saturday because back in the day down in the south, in the black community particularly, Saturday was taken up in coloring eggs. Seriously, people, we were caught up in it. Nobody stopped us. Pagan traditions, coloring eggs and getting chocolate bunnies, you know, the hollow chocolate bunnies. They looked like a bunny on the outside, and uh, it was hollow on the inside. It is a shame before God how we wasted our lives and our time and almost went to hell messing with some eggs. 
the most exciting part of Easter was not hearing about Jesus. Back in those days, and sad to say till this day, it was not hearing about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We didn't hear anything about the Good Friday. We didn't know anything about that. It's all about buying some new clothes for Sunday. The girls wore pink. The boys wore blue, blue blazers and all kinds of things. Everybody got a new set of clothes for the first day of school and for Easter. That was it, especially for black folks. If you got any new clothes, those were the two days. That was it. And everybody was, you know, busy hemming clothes and coloring eggs and eating eggs and uh, planning the Easter egg hunt after church. And all the children in their new Sunday best were scurrying and running all over the church property and other people's property trying to find some eggs. And buddy, when you found those eggs, man, you thought you had won the lottery. Back in those days. It meant nothing. And nobody told us it meant nothing. Nobody told us it didn't have anything to do. With Jesus Christ. And it doesn't today. And listen to me very carefully. You pastors who try to keep that mess going on. To uh, to attract children and and families to uh, your Disneyland church. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. I'm telling you that because. My life was wasted with that foolishness and I almost went to hell with a chocolate bunny and an Easter egg. Are you kidding me? You need, I don't care if it is a tradition. It is a tradition that you Pharisees and Sadducees made in the church. It is disgusting. And so, ladies and gentlemen, some Christians recognize Holy Saturday, the seventh day of Holy Week, as the day on which Jesus rested. From his work. Now, now a true God-called preacher can, can identify with Jesus Christ resting. Because see, see, God God is not a slave master. God will let you finish something. God's going to give you an assignment. And, and when, he, when, when, he, when he tells you it is finished, you can say it is finished. And guess what you can do? You can go rest. And that's what Jesus did. And there's no rest like that, by the way. There's no rest like what the Lord gives you. When you have done what the Lord wanted you to do. There's no rest like that. No, 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 no. No rest. Uh-uh. One of the things I uh, have le- loved about preaching. I'm not, I, I've never been like these, these, these preachers who talk about, I just love preaching, man. I tell you, I just love, you, you. You're crazy and you're out of your mind. I don't know what, what you're talking about, man. I don't love preaching. I love having preached. There's a whole lot that goes to it and it goes into it, man. And a whole lot of battling and fighting going on, man. Uh, 
The devil is doing all kinds of things to a preacher, especially on the Saturdays. Saturdays are strange days for a preacher. I believe more preachers feel lonely, a little bit downcast on Saturday, more than any other day of the week. It's just a, it's a, it's a lonely time when you, you got to be alone with God. And that part is not lonely, but you, you, you really don't have that much support, humanly speaking. Even your wife might say, why don't you just curse God and die? But Sunday morning is coming. And better than that, Sunday afternoon is coming. If you are a true God-called preacher, you know what Sunday afternoon feels like is it's, it's the most wonderful feeling in the world, particularly if you shuck the corn and you did what God assigned you to do. And you can say, okay, now I'm finished, at least for a little while. And you, if you're smart, unlike some of my Southern Baptists who take Saturday off and go right back to work on Monday, you, if you're smart, you take Monday off you battle on Saturday. But anyway, every good preacher ought to take Monday off. He needs to. He has to. I have, I have a preacher friend, uh, Pastor Andrew Hamilton, strong as an ox in his 80s. If he and I ever got in a fight, he would whip my behind. He's 20-something years older than me. He already could beat me running. I already told you about that. Strong as an ox. He comes from a certain kind of tribe out of Africa. He was born in America. And, uh, and he told me, it shocked me. He said, brother, after I preach on Sunday, I got to take all the money off. He said, straight, just straight like that, matter of fact. I said, what, you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. As I preach on Sunday, I got to take all of my. I got to have Monday. I got to have it. I said, I thought I was only one. No, brother, I got to have it. I got to have that day off. So Jesus is resting on Holy Saturday. There's no greater feeling when you have done what God called you to do and you can rest. And 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 I, I God and, and God has done that in my life recently after preaching for over forty two years and especially over the past twelve years, most of those years preaching every day, nearly every day. Because God put in my heart some things were coming like this coronavirus plague and this uh World War Three thing. Which by the way uh, the Russian newspaper said World War Three has already started. Russia, Putin, sent a proper diplomatic note to President Biden. If you keep on sending your equipment over here to help Ukraine against me, then I'm going to hit you. So, we're already in it, people. 
And, and God let me to predict all of that to happen. I'm not shocked at any of it. And now that is here, God gave me the peace and said to me, Son, you have finished your course. You have fought a good fight. You have kept the faith. And uh, this particular assignment you, is over now. You did everything I asked you to do. And that's a good feeling. A great feeling. Nothing like the victory that Jesus Christ had when he said, it is finished. I did it. I did what my father wanted me to do. It is finished. Sin has been paid for. And so on Holy Saturday, people believe that Jesus is resting. He provided for our salvation. He did the job so that all of us could go free with all of our and, 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 and because all of our wicked sins have been paid for by the Lamb of God. And so ladies and gentlemen, as Jesus died, he called out or he said out loud, it is finished. Do you know that you could be, watch this, do you know you could be doing something for God, surrounded by people, they don't know what you're doing, but God knows and you know. And see, this is where some people lose it and they end up quitting. Don't quit. Don't faint. Don't get weary in well-doing. Pilate didn't know. The so-called Jewish leaders acted like they didn't know. But they should have known better. The Roman centurions, they didn't know. All around him, people didn't know what he was doing. He was serving and working for and performing, if you will, before an audience of one. God knew what he was doing. And even though his father had to forsake him because he was made sin for us, millions, trillions, billions of sins were put on his soldier, uh, shoulder. on his back and he bore all of our sins on the cross and he finished the task it is finished there was no further price to pay sin had been atoned for after his crucifixion, Jesus was laid in a nearby tomb and his body remained there the entirety of Holy Saturday in a garden. 
You might recall years ago during Holy Week, I preached a message that was original with me. I had never heard the title before, The Three Gardens of God. Churches that celebrate Holy Saturday traditionally do so by observing a day of somber reflection as they contemplate the world of darkness that would exist without the hope of Christ's resurrection, resurrection, and they can do that if that's what they want to do. But we do not want to get to the point of funeralizing Jesus and we're sitting around all sad because Jesus died. When Jesus uh, did that to make us glad. I said it before and I'll say it again. Now, most traditionally Christians have fish on Good Friday. Maybe we'll do that next year. We normally have uh, some lamb chops or some Jewish chicken. And I wanna, I, let me tell you something. If you need the recipe, I'll have my daughters to send it to you. My baby daughters, they put their foot in some Jewish rosemary chicken uh, with a stew, a kind of stew vegetables on yesterday. It would make your tongue slap your brain out of your head. I mean, they flat did it. Absolutely delicious. You can look it up. Jewish chicken, Passover chicken. My, my, my. That's what we had. And what you need is also, if you can handle it, if you can't handle it, you come from the Hatfield and McCoy's, y'all only drink to get drunk. I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to people who, who drink uh, wine with their food because it's something about it, and they know it's something about it, and they know what it is. It's a special thing, and you only take you only drink one glass with it. And it has a cleansing effect on the grease and the butter and all of that. But anyway, Rothschild wines are kosher. Rothschilds are Jewish people and they have wineries all over the world. And I know the name may make you think is expensive, but it's not. They do, they do have some that are expensive, but they have some that are very reasonable. Get you a kosher wine. That's what I'm talking about. A Jewish wine. It's better than the other wines. And you celebrate. Jesus wants you to celebrate. Jesus was about the party now. I, I know y'all don't like for me to say that, but he, he was. Jesus does not have a problem with folks having a good time as long as they are uh, remembering him and celebrating him and obeying him. It was Curtis Mayfield who said many years ago, my dad and mom used to play this song, it's all right to have a good time. It's all right, yeah, it's all right. Especially for a good purpose. Jesus Christ does not want you sitting around uh, uh, mourning his death. He's alive. 
He has risen. He is the Son of God. He paid our sin debt and said it is finished. It's party time. In the right way. Indeed, without the resurrection of Christ, we would be in dire straits. According to 1 Corinthians 15, 17, If Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. The disciples had scattered when Jesus was arrested. See, nobody wants to be arrested, even the disciples. And they spent the first Holy Saturday hiding for fear of also being arrested. Of course, they knew that the Romans did not play either. They were not your friendly policemen. According to John 2019, or rather, yeah, that's where we find it regarding them not wanting to be arrested. The day between Christ's crucifixion and his resurrection would have been a time of grief and shock as the stunned disciples tried to understand the murder of Jesus, watch this, the betrayal of Jesus, uh, of Jesus by Judas, the denial of Jesus, Peter, the chief among them, denying him thrice, like Jesus predicted. God knows how frail we are, and God knows whether or not we're going to stand with him or not. He knows it already what you're going to do in any given situation. He is God, and Jesus is the Son of God, so therefore, he is God, whether you like it or not. And that's what the Jews, pardon me, that's what the Jews uh, understood. If he is the Son of God, he is God. And uh, the dashing of their hopes of what they had in mind. After his death, Jesus descended into hell. This is not the lake of fire, but the place where all souls went after death. As shown, pardon me, in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, Mr. Divey, somebody called him, and Lazarus. In the Hebrew scriptures, the word used to describe the realm of the dead is Sheol. It simply means the place of the dead or the place of departed souls and spirits. The New Testament Greek equivalent of Sheol is Hades, which also refers to the place of the dead. 
and we have some Jehovah's Witnesses who get uh, turned around and confused. Because Jesus Christ used the word hell and then he said fire right beside it. And so uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses went out and told people in our community especially, oh don't worry about hell, hell is nothing but the grave, ignorant. But Jesus made it clear in his sermon on hell that hell, there's a fire side of hell, there's a torment side of hell. That's where you don't want to go and you need to be saved from. He made that perfectly clear in one sermon. He said it six times. More than anything else he said. Other scriptures in the New Testament indicate that Sheol, Hades, is a temporary place where souls are kept as they await the final resurrection and judgment. Revelation 20, 11 through 15 gives a clear distinction between Hades and the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the permanent and final place of judgment for the lost, those who do not believe in Jesus Christ. Hades then is a temporary place. Many people refer to both Hades and the lake of fire as hell, and this causes some confusion with some people. Jesus did not go to the place of eternal torment, the, which he made for the devil and his angels. Why would he go there? Of eternal torment, the lake of fire, after his death, but he did go to Hades. Sheol, or Hades, is a realm with two divisions, a place of blessing and a place of judgment. A place of blessing and a place of judgment. Uh, the abodes of the saved and the lost are both generally called Hades in the Bible. The abode of the saved is also called Abraham's bosom. In Luke 16, that's where the people of faith are. For Abraham is the father of faith. Luke 16, 22, and paradise. In Luke 23, 43, the abodes of the saved and the lost are separated by a great chasm. In Luke 16, Jesus called it a great gulf. All of the unbelieving dead go to the cursed side of Hades to await the final judgment. All of the believing dead go to the blessed side of Hades to await the resurrection. According to Jesus' own words, when Jesus died, he went to the blessed side of Sheol, or paradise. Jesus said to the thief beside him who believed in him, Today thou shalt be with me in what? Paradise. Paradise. Today. We need to stop by paradise. Jesus' body was in the tomb. 
his soul slash spirit went to be with the blessed or the blessed in Sheol slash Hades. The payment for sin was paid. He then awaited the resurrection of his body and his return to glory in his ascension. Now according to 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 19 through 20, Jesus preached unto the spirits in prison after he was put to death based on Ephesians chapter 4 verses 8 through 10 many Christians also believe that Jesus brought salvation to the souls held in Abraham's bosom on the paradise side taking believers who died before Christ such as Adam and Eve Abraham and David with him from Sheol to another place of bliss that we now call heaven into the presence of God. It is believed that the fulfillment of Jesus Christ atoning for our sins could not happen without Jesus going into the place of hell, if you will. He had to also rescue the holy people of the Old Testament and were awaiting him in Abraham's bosom. Dr. R.C. Sproul said, Jesus goes to hell to liberate those spirits who from antiquity have been held in prison. His task in hell then is one of triumph, liberating Old Testament saints. Now there are some theologians also who say that Jesus Christ went into hell to experience the full rigor of suffering, which is the full impact for human sin, so as to give a comprehensive atonement for the sin of humanity. Jesus descended into hell to rescue souls and fulfill the sacrifice for our sins. And this is why we say in the Apostles' Creed, in the Apostles' Creed, that he descended into hell, and we're going to uh, share with you the Apostles' Creed in context. Because we have been saying it for thousands of years, and so uh, now hopefully you understand that part a little bit better. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. He was put to death on a cross he did die and he did enter the place of the dead. You do understand that Jesus Christ was not dead dead. His body was dead. <laughs> Jesus was busy. As always. 
the gloriousness of this is that he did not stay there. He rose again and will return to get his own. Do you know him as your Savior? Have you surveyed the wondrous cross with us this past week? Do you understand what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross to the point where you uh, know what it takes to get saved? Again, dear friend, first please understand that you are a sinner. We all have sinned against God. For the Bible is clear. God's word is clear. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so therefore, our fellowship is broken uh, We do not have fellowship with God because of our sin. Sin is like a chasm between us and God. Have you ever told a lie? Have you ever stolen anything? Have you ever lusted after anybody or anything? Have you dishonored and disobeyed your parents? Have you dishonored God by taking God's name in vain? That makes you a sinner. You have broken God's Ten Commandments. I just named five right there. And you have broken all five of them. So has the Pope. So has the Dalai Lama. So has Joel Osteen, pastor of the largest church in America. And yours truly. We all have sinned against God. So therefore, we need a Savior to save us. We deserve to go to hell because of our sins. Second, accept the fact that there is a penalty for sin. There is a punishment for sin. The Bible states in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. The wages of sin is death. That means you're going to die. That's why we die. We die because of sin. Not because of a car wreck or car accident. A car crash. Not because of the coronavirus plague. Not because of cancer. We die because of our sin. And it is the worst form of cancer. We die because of our sin. And uh, what God wants you to know, dear friend, is that if God would allow you to die because of your sins, 
from this beautiful ball called earth hanging on nothing but God's hand. Then uh, he will allow you to go to hell if you reject his son, Jesus Christ, who suffered, bled, and died on the cross for your sins when I survey the wondrous cross. That is what it's about. Saving you from the nastiness of hell because of the sins you've committed against God. And yes, you and I, we deserve to go to hell. Never forget that. But for God, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That is, perish in what? Hell. The lake of fireside of hell. Forever. But have everlasting life. So thirdly, dear friend, accept the fact and understand the fact that you are on the road to hell right now as I speak. If you have never truly believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said in Mark 9, 43 and through 48, by the way, Jesus Christ preached on hell, the one who died on the cross for your sins to save you from hell. He preached on hell more than anybody in the Bible, more than the prophets, more than the apostles. Oh, they preached on hell too, but he preached on it more. He preached on it more than all of the Bible, all of the writers of the Bible. He said in this uh, one of his many sermons on hell. He said in Mark nine forty three through forty eight, and if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye, Jesus Christ said, offend thee or causes you to sin against me, God, sin against yourself, always remember your sin is against God, and it is against yourself, and if you're doing it with somebody else, it's against them too. Sin is bad. The worm dieth not. Uh, talking about the eye. Pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Now here are some people going to hell. You might find yourself in this number. It is in the book of Revelation in the Holy Bible. Read it for yourself at Revelation 21.8. These people will be in hell. Do not doubt it. Mark it down 
all of these people are going to hell if they don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and repent of this foolishness. Revelation 21.8 But the fearful, people too afraid to get saved because they're more concerned about peer pressure and what mom and them are going to say. And the unbelieving, the agnostics and atheists who are agnostics and atheists until they see a one-mile-wide tornado coming at their house, then they become believers real quick. Unbelieving, people who just refuse to believe in God. They would rather believe they came from a tadpole than that they came from God, which that would take more faith. And the abominable, these are people who not only sin, but they sin beyond the pale. Like the other day, a man who claims to be a woman, a so-called transgendered individual, won his right to go to prison with other women, and now multiple women are pregnant because of him. Homosexuals commit abominations in God's sight, and so therefore they are abominable. Other abominable people are men who look at little babies and little toddlers and little children as sex objects and want to have sex with them. Other abominable people are people who are uh, parents who lust after their children. Father or stepfather who lusts after his daughter and actually tries to have sex with her. A mother or stepmother who lusts after her son and tries to have sex with him. A brother who lusts after his sister. A sister who lusts after his, uh, after her brother. These are abominable acts. They are committing abominations according to God's word. And then we have people so sick in the head that they lust after animals and horses and orangutans and all kinds of ungodly uh, thoughts they have. These are they who are going to hell. See? And I believe that if more preachers had preached the truth to more people, we wouldn't have the chaos we have in our society today in the once great America and world. And murderers, they're going to hell too. And whoremongers, these are the heterosexual. They would never dare um, have a man touch another man or a woman touch another woman. They would, that, that, that's never entered into their minds, but they... They, they lust after the opposite sex, and they commit uh, adultery, and they commit fornication. They're going to hell too. Whoremongers and whores are going to hell because they're not doing it the way God say, said to do it. And sorcerers, people who practice witchcraft and voodoo and palm reading and all of that foolishness. 
sorcerers and idolaters, people who put anything or anybody before God, these are they who are going to the lake of fireside. And if uh, you didn't commit these other gross sins, how about all liars? They're in the number two. All liars, the Bible says, God says, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So now you have it, the bad news about where you might go, if you, where you will go if you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't trust in Jesus Christ, if you don't pray and call on his name and ask him to save you. There's no good news, my friends, without the bad news. But there is good news here in light of this bad news. Jesus Christ said the most loving, most wonderful, and most important words to mankind in the history of the world when he said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Dear friend, simply do what Jesus Christ told you to do. And you cannot lose uh, with what Jesus Christ tells you to do. He says to you, believe in me. Believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He suffered, he bled, he died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose on the third day by the power of God. Pray and ask him to come into your heart to save your soul, and he will save you. For Romans 10, 9 and 13 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou you shall be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from hell. Saved to what? Saved to heaven to be with God and Jesus Christ forever. And that's the best place for all of us to be. So it is your choice. God is not going to make you. Jesus Christ is not going to make you. They don't do that. And I can't make you. It's your choice. If you want to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for your soul's salvation, do that now in your heart. And let's pray the sinner's prayer together. I'll help you with that. Repeat after me phrase by phrase and mean it from your heart. Holy Father God, I admit that I am a sinner. For Jesus Christ's sake, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. I admit that I have broken your Ten Commandments multiple times by lying, by stealing, by lusting after people and things, by dishonoring my parents, disobeying my parents, and by dishonoring you by taking your holy name in vain. 
and lying on you to try to escape something myself. <clears throat> For Jesus Christ's sake, please have mercy and grace upon my soul. And please forgive me of all of my sins. As I now believe with all of my heart in you, Lord Jesus Christ, who suffered, bled, and died on the cross for my sins, was buried and rose on the third day by your power. Lord Jesus Christ, please come into my heart and into my spirit and save my soul from hell today. Even though I deserve it. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to repent of all of my sins and help me to turn from my evil and sinful lifestyle and to follow you, Lord Jesus Christ, in the new life. For it is in Jesus Christ's name I pray and for his sake. Amen. Now, dear friend of mine, if you believed in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died for your sins, he suffered, he bled, and he died for your sins, was buried, and rose on the third day by the power of God, allow me to say to you congratulations on doing the most important thing in life, and that is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. For more information to help you grow in your newfound faith in Christ, please go to gospellightsociety.com and read my book titled, What to Do After You Enter Through the Door. And Jesus Christ said in John 10:9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. If you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, my dear friend, as your Lord and Savior today, please email us at dw3 at gospellightsociety.com and let us know. We have some free material, free um, training materials uh, that we want you to have and we want to send you free of charge to help you grow in the faith. If you have a prayer request, please email that to us at, as well, and uh, we will pray for you until you tell us to stop. Until next time, my beloved, God loves you, we love you, and may God bless you real good, is my prayer. If the Lord should tarry his coming, we'll be back here tomorrow, a little bit earlier. Uh, for Sunday and uh, Easter and so if you do not have a church home please visit with us even if you do and you go at a different time visit with us online we will be here unless
uh, give God the praise and lift up his son Jesus Christ on Resurrection Sunday. Will you think about us? Pray for us. And uh, we're here to pray for you. Make sure, make sure you pray without ceasing. And by God's grace, we're going to do the same here. Let's all stand for our closing prayer. <clears throat> Holy Father God in heaven, Lord, for this sermon, Lord, in this message, uh, the job has been done for tonight by your grace, your strength, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, and it's a wonderful feeling to be used by you and uh, to, in a small way, glorify your holy name and lift up your holy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who sits at your right hand. Help all of us here and out there to be truly humble, to be meek in our heart, mind, soul, and spirit, and humble down before you and obey you. Uh, for you said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Grant us your energy, your strength, your unction, your anointing, and the power of your Holy Spirit that we pray without ceasing throughout this evening. Bless us all with a great night of rest and sleep. And Lord, if it's your will to tarry a little bit longer, if you allow us to live according to your will, Lord, help us to meet right here again tomorrow to worship you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray and for his sake. Amen. God bless you, dear friends. Until next time.